What's up, guys? Welcome to the Lazy Boy QBs podcast. Uh, I am your co-host, one of your co-hosts, Chad Larson. Um, and today and every other day, or I'm sorry, every other time we record, we're going to be joined by our other co-host, Jonathan Ryder. Jonathan, talk to the people for me. What's going on, Chad? I didn't know you were trying to replace me already after the first <laughs> episode, but <laughs> no. I do plan to be here for every episode. Uh, just uh, let me know who the uh, the competition is, and I go take care of it. But uh, no, no, I'm excited on. to be here uh, with you, Chad. You know, we when we were working together, we used to talk football nonstop for hours and hours until people would just get away from us. Um, and yeah, right. We, we can talk about this stuff all day and I'm really uh-huh. happy to, you know, work with you and, uh, get this podcast on the right, uh, you know, the right path and let's just talk football, man. Yeah. And with that being said, guys, a little bit of housekeeping to start us off, uh, as this is our first episode, um, we encourage that you, you know, like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, let us know what you guys think. This is going to be a very interactive podcast. You know, we want to know what the listeners want us to talk about. So, um, you know, we'll have a link in or we'll have a link in the description box that'll let us know where you can give feedback. And then it's also feedback available on whatever uh, source you're listening to this podcast on. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into it, man. Let's let's enough with the housekeeping. Let's get into some football. Um, All right. So we're heading into week three, um, obviously. Uh, This podcast is actually being recorded on Friday, September 25th. Um, And this is coming off the day after the Dolphins-Jags kicked off week three. Now, as a huge Dolphins fan, John, I'm just going to let you have the floor, buddy. Just go ahead. What up? <laughs> All the haters. <laughs> Steven Smith. Michael Irwin. The whole NFL network. Stop. <laughs> Y'all picked the Jaguars to beat the Dolphins yesterday. Yes, Jacksonville was a three-point favorite at home. Trying to play that little feisty football with Gardner Minshew. AKA the mustache, but guess what? <laughs> the beard beat the mustache. Look, the Dolphins won yesterday in Jacksonville, 31-13 win. Uh, the Miami Dolphins looked uh, a lot better from the first two weeks. Um, what disappointed a lot of Dolphins fans last week, to include myself, is that uh, the B- Buffalo Bills uh, had they have very fast receivers in Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. These are shifty guys, and, and Miami was trying to play man-to-man with those guys. Um, but Miami's uh, corners, they're more like big physical dudes. Uh, they're right. not necessarily you know, fast, uh, twitchy, and Miami wouldn't switch you know, from man-to-man. They only started playing zone in the fourth quarter, and those guys burned us um, this week. Yes, the receiving core is not as good as it was in Buffalo. Um, DJ Chark was out, but so was Byron Jones for the Dolphins. Miami locked it up. Yes, Gardner threw for 272 yards yesterday on 30 uh, completions out of 42 attempts, but a lot of it was that under, was underneath. Uh, Miami yeah. locked it down. Only 72 rushing yards for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fitz had an amazing game. Miami tried to run the ball. The game was pretty much over by the third quarter. Miami just kind of killed the clock. Awesome performance. Four sacks, one interception, you know, a forced fumble. Like, this is the Miami Dolphins that a lot of Dolphins fans were hoping for in 2020. So I just hope to keep the ball rolling, man. Yeah, and, you know, you you talked about, um, you know, being being pleased about how the Dolphins – responded after the first two, first two weeks i'll be honest in, in week one against new england i really don't think they played bad i mean that was uh now granted it was the first week with you know cam at quarterback for them but i felt like miami kept that one close throughout um but yeah like you said today um or yesterday i guess you guys just jumped out to that big two touchdown lead early um and then you know you guys were able to play from in front the rest of the game um control the running game 
Fitzpatrick only had to throw 20 passes compared to 42 for Minshew. So, uh, you know, I think you guys you guys controlled the controlled the game on both sides of the ball. My biggest takeaway though was, damn, like Jacksonville is really trying to go one in fifteen this year. Yeah, you know what are I mean. They, but you know, think about it. You know, Chad. Everybody thought that at the beginning of the year, right? And then they yep. come out and they 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 beat the, the Indianapolis Colts, and everybody was like, "Whoa." Who, who is this team? And even I, we, we talked about it, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Hey, are they trying to really lose? And then they play last week against the Tennessee Titans. And some people said, I didn't watch the game, but like, the, Jacksonville should have won that game. Yeah, no, um, they were, they, they definitely gave Tennessee all they could handle. That's for sure. That's so, for and sure. They, and they come in and all the national pundits are pretty much handing this game away to Jacksonville. Because, of course, it, it is on a Thursday night. It's Miami was the away team. Usually, I think the percentage is like 75% of home teams win on Thursday nights, especially if, the team, yep. if both teams played on Sunday. Um, yep. People just gave it to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I felt it was disrespectful, but... You know, I get it. In this league, you have to earn everything you got. Um, unless you're the Cleveland Browns, where people have been <laughs> crowning them champions for the last three years, and they're still <laughs> nothing. But and and that's all it is. Uh, it, it, Miami spent over two hundred million dollars in free agency, um, and it's finally starting to show. Kyle Van Noy had a, an outstanding game yesterday. Yep. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And and the thing is, when I was talking about Jacksonville tanking, you know, in the NFL, I think it's way different than, you know, the NBA or really any other sport because, you know, tanking in football is almost impossible to get into a player's mind. You know, if you have players, if you have their mind wrapped around tanking, then guys are bound to get hurt. Um, you know, they're bound to just get hurt from, you know, not going as hard maybe as they would if, you know, say they were fighting for a playoff spot or something like that. But, um you know, I think the 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 GM and the and you know the upstairs management is the ones who are thinking about one and fifteen. Because if you look at this roster, um, you know the 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 skill position guys, as you said, DJ Chark was out for Jacksonville. But I mean, you look past that. I mean, just Keelan Keelan Cole. I mean, Chris Conley, Lavisca Chenault, who I like, but I don't think he's a guy who, you know, you should be relying on in a real way right now. Um, you know, guys like that, those are their, those are their three, three of their leading receivers from last night. Don't forget so, about D.D. Westbrook, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, D.D. Westbrook, who only ended up having one catch for four yards, but a guy who a couple years ago, you know, you were thinking he was going to turn the corner to become one of the, not elite receivers, but a, a, an above average receiver in the league. Um, but yeah, Jacksonville, Jacksonville just got, got dominated on both sides of the ball. Um, you know. We're talking, I guess I'll swing this over to Miami a little bit since I've just been, you know, throwing cold water on Jacksonville. Um, you know, is this something that you feel like Miami can build off of? Like, where do you see this moving forward? I know you guys have Seattle next week on uh, the 49ers after that, so a couple of tough teams. But, you know, what did you see that you think can actually continue for the Dolphins throughout the season? Yeah, so if you compare it to the 2018 Miami Dolphins, uh, you automatically see the improvement, right? This is a rebuild. Uh, they tore it all down last year uh, by yeah. trading away Laramie Tunso, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, crybaby, he wanted out. Um, Miami <laughs> shipped him out. Um, so you can automatically see the improvement, especially if you, you know, compare the first two games of last year to this year, where last year the first game against uh, Baltimore, the score was 59-10, and the second game against the Patriots was 49 to nothing. Um, th this is a completely different year. However, I think what Miami fans have to keep in mind is that the improvement might not necessarily show up in the win and loss column. Like you said, the, the schedule is tough. Next week, Seattle is coming to Miami, right? Hey, they got to travel all the way down to 305. No, 1 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, 1 o'clock kickoff. I know that Ooh. that's an advantage. Yeah, for sure. We're talking about a guy who's unstoppable right now in Russell Wilson. 82% completion percentage. That's yes, ridiculous. 
However, and I don't want to get into too much of the details because I'm just going to go on and on and on and on. <laughs> but Don't I, worry. I'll work you back. I'll work you back. <laughs> uh, we, we have some pieces in which we can match up well, which is I don't think uh, DK Metcalf is just going to go crazy against the Dolphins. I think Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are good matchups against them. However, one thing that I've noticed about Miami is that we have a really tough time when quarterbacks that can't scramble decide to scramble. We saw that against New England. We saw that against uh, the Buffalo Bills last week. And then last night, there were some times that Gardner Minshew, especially in the first quarter when the game was, was within range, he made some things happen with his legs. And you for know sure. Russell Wilson, he can't do all that. So what am I looking for next week is just have a competitive game. Um, if we win, great. If we don't, let's try to just keep it competitive. And then again, the subsequent games after that, like you said, it's going to be at San Francisco and at Denver. Both of these teams are really banged up right now. We might be playing back-to-back backup quarterbacks in Nick Mullins and Jeff Driscoll. I yeah. don't want that to be a reason why Miami is you know, successful, but it could happen that way. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, in the NFL, uh, you know, there are opportunities to win games, and no matter how they come about, you know, it's about being able to capitalize on them. Um, you know, sure. you kind of just touched you you just touched on it a second ago. Well, before I before, before we move on to the next topic, any anything else you want to say about about last night? I know it was a big day for you, so. Uh, yeah, definitely a big night. One of the few Thursday night games that I, I stay awake for the whole game. Uh, really entertaining. <laughs> uh, just go fans. And and I will say this, and I'm going to go back to Jacksonville. You are crazy if the last few games you start considering that Garden Minshew is your future. And I don't know why we're not trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence. You are crazy. Don't let good players. Uh, don't let good players not let. Oh man, I'm kind of messing up. Don't take great <laughs> players because you have a good player in your roster. The, Trevor Lawrence is an exceptional talent. Yeah. Don't think that Gordon Mitchell is going to take you to the next level because he will not. Probably a, yeah. a, a starting level quarterback in this league, um, with a good defense and a good running game, maybe successful. But he's not going to be Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. I mean Lawrence, and you know, not to dive too much into the draft, but not even just Lawrence. I mean him, uh, Justin Fields. I feel like those two are like really a a two headed, you know, or a one two um, in that quarterback race. But yeah, both of those guys, talent to you know become perennial Pro Bowler, All Pro type of players, versus you know Minshew, who's like a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. If you have 100% the right pieces around him and you're just telling him to not crash the car, he's a guy who mm-hmm. can do who can do perfectly well, perfectly suited for that situation. Um, but, you know, much, anything past that uh, is where you start to get problems. Um, so I got that thing right. It's don't let uh, good players prevent you from taking great players. Sorry. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, with that being said, we're going to wrap up the Dolphins talk and – Get to a more somber topic, honestly, uh, and that's the injury issues. Yeah, so like we were talking about uh, a little bit already, um, the injuries that have occurred, you know, over the first couple weeks so far, um, you know, have really been staggering. Obviously, you know, every year in the NFL, injuries occur, and a lot of them happen early on in the season because of, you know, conditioning issues and guys aren't really up to up to full game speed. Uh, Jonathan, what other issues or what, you know, what concerns do you see for teams, you know, right now and then moving forward as far as, you know, being able to keep their guys healthy? Well, I think, you know, like you said, this happens every year, right? And the biggest reason why I think this is happening is because, you know, with the short off season, um, guys simply didn't have enough time to warm up into game form. Um, they started cold. In late July, uh, no preseason games. Um, they went straight into week one with full contact. Don't tell me that these guys were playing uh, at 100% speed during their practices, even though they said live. Um, so 
week one, uh, you probably saw some great football. Everybody was there, you know, tackling. Uh, penalties were down. But, you know, the difference between starting right at week one is that, you know, in preseason, you, you play a series, maybe a quarter, and then you're off. And then next week, you know, you get a little bit more, you know, game in there and kind of work your way up. Whereas you know this year you know, you play a full sixty minutes the first week in a, in a in a real live game and then the second week you're, you're expected to do the same and your body's not warming up going forward uh, I think that injuries will start decreasing to more of a level that we're accustomed to in the NFL but you know it, it's a huge impact man we we lost some big names this year. Uh, of course, Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, you know, for the season, um, yeah, and then a, and a multiple other guys. Yeah, and the sad and the sad thing about it is, you know, these are, I mean, you talk about Nick Bosa, Saquon Barkley, uh, both guys who tore their ACL in Week Two. Um, you know, those are those are generational players that you know they're not going to be able to get this year back. You know, especially for a guy like Barkley who plays a the running back position that, you know, is, you know, a position where you're good for, you know, maybe five, six, seven years. You know, he just lost one of those years, um, you know, where he's in his athletic prime, you know, for that position. So it's just sad to, you know, see that. I think I, I agree with you that the injuries are going to even out um, over the course of the season because, you know, as as it does every year, Guys are going to continue to get just in more and more football shape, um, get more accustomed to the movements they're going to be doing week in and week out, get more accustomed to how they're going to have to treat their bodies. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of the, the staffs um, are going to look at these injuries and say, you know, hey, what can we do to, you know, continue to prevent our guys from getting injured? You know, whether that's lightening up the practice schedule, whether that's, you know, just more treatment for guys um, before and after, you know, practice and games and all that kind of stuff. So there are things that can be done on both ends to kind of help prevent it and, you know, help make this league, you know, because at the end of the day, we want to see the stars playing. You know, we don't want to see guys wearing sweatsuits, you know, on the sideline or anything like that. We want to see guys playing. So my question to you is, uh, do you think that the NFL kind of screwed up about allowing, you know, Thursday night games to continue, I know that none of these injuries are related to like Thursday night football, but you know, team players already complain about the Thursday night football games. It's such a short yeah. turnaround; you don't get time to fully heal. Like, do you do you think that the NFL kind of dropped the ball and you know and just try to play every game on a Sunday or a Monday night? You know, that's that's interesting because this is the first time I've really thought about that. You know, obviously players speak out all the time about how. I mean, I think Richard Sherman even called it a. Uh, criminal a couple years back you know <laughs> to expect a guy to play on a Sunday and then be ready to go by Thursday um, of the following week um, but you know I, I'm not sure I feel like that's probably something that'll more happen more in the you know middle part of the season um, you know where it's a conti- where it's a combination of guys wearing down um, and then you know it just takes that one week of not being able to get your proper rest schedule or your proper treatment. Um, and then you end up having, you know, you know, knock on wood, but, you know, maybe some guy ends up having a big time injury or something like that, uh, which is which would be unfortunate. But, you know, I don't think the NFL will is going to change that anytime soon. Um, and I had a lot of money. A yeah, lot I was going to for those Thursday night games. I mean, the ratings for those games is is higher than you know, playoff games and other, you know, some of the biggest playoff games in other professional sports. So it's hard to tell them to take that game away. You know, the NFL's dream is to own, you know, seven days of the week. Um, And, you know, they have Thursday, Sunday, and Monday already. So I don't think they're going to be slowing that down anytime soon. Okay, so I think the obvious team here that that most – got affected by all these injuries uh it's it's the san francisco 49ers right I, without, without a would doubt would you disagree with me okay. no no i'm um, i'm no, nick yeah, right there with you yeah nick bosa torn acl solomon thomas torn acl um and then we got a bunch of banged up guys or have been ruled out uh this week 
for their game against the New York Giants. You know, Jimmy G is out. George Kittle is out. Tevin Coleman is out. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, D. Ford. Um, I know I'm missing a name here. Uh, Raheem Mostert, he's also banged up, and he is going to yeah, be is. out this week. But my question, hey, is it the turf, or you think that this is something particular to the 49ers? Uh, no other team has complained about it. Um, and how do you think that this is going to affect, uh, you know, impact their, the rest of their season? Well, you know, you look at a team like the the 49ers, you got to think about, because, you know, these injuries, you know, I mean, football is a is a 12-month-a-year sport, you know, for these guys. So you got to think, you know, they were the last team playing or the joint last team playing, uh, you know, last year when they played the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, obviously. Um so you know that could, I feel like that could probably play a huge factor in it, um, but some of these injuries, you know, are guys. You know, I mean, they're they're fairly explainable. I mean, the George Kittle one, you see, you know, him getting crushed uh, at his legs. So you know, that one's a, a fairly explainable one. Um, I just feel, you know, I, I feel bad for San Francisco because out of all the guys that have really gotten you know severely injured, they're the only team that I would say has real you know, playoff aspirations or real Super Bowl type of aspirations. And, you know, to lose a couple guys on that defensive line, Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas for the for the entire season, you know, especially Bosa who I would say already just in his second year is one of the one of the best pass rushers, one of the best, you know, edge guys in the entire league. Um but yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure about, you know, the turf. I know there have been talks about, you know, that could possibly being an issue um, I'm not sure how much I buy that, but at the same time, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a trend that we continue to see happen at MetLife, then, you know, maybe that could be something to look out for. Okay. Uh, yeah. do you see them winning this weekend against the Giants? I'll be honest. I feel like if they put me and you and, in, in, uh, Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa's places, I feel like we could go out and get a win against the Giants, uh, <laughs> at this point, especially well, considering they'll have no Saquon Barkley, so. Yeah, well, I don't want to go too much into this rabbit hole, but I, what do you think about the Vontae the, the Vontae Freeman pickup uh, for the for the, the New, New York, York Giants. Giants? I tell you One what, year, man, three million dollar deal up to yeah. three million dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say I think the base is or the up to three million is you know with all bonuses. I think the base is around one point something. But uh, you know, I mean, hey, he's a guy who's who's a veteran. Um, you know, was really declining towards the end of that contract with Atlanta. Um, and I think that kind of overpowered what he was as a player, you know, on those, in those last couple years. Cause you know, in reality, I think he's a guy who can be, you know, a part of a backfield rotation, but I don't think he's a guy who's like a 25 touches a game type of number one type back, you know? So if they're expecting him to come in and replace, you know, get all those touches that Saquon had, then I think it could be trouble for Freeman and trouble for the Giants. But if they're just coming or having him come in, him play a part, you know, maybe Deion Lewis play a part, stuff like that, then, you know, when I say they could survive, I mean, you know, they could tread water and maybe win, you know, four or five games this season. Yeah, Vegas definitely agrees with you for this game. Um, Despite all the injuries, the line is still... uh... San Francisco by three and a half, which to me is it's kind of shocking. It's it's a complete disrespect to the New York Giants. Shout well, out and the, the, <laughs> to all my Giants fans out there. Defetti, shout out to Defetti. Um, but but you know I, I think part of that you know is disrespect, and and part of it is you know Nick Mullins. He's been a starter before. You know he had three a long five. period. Yeah, three and five was a starter. Yeah, I mean. No, no, not the best record, but, you know, he was a guy who he was able to keep that team in games when they were a lot less talented with, than what they are right now. True. So, so you know, I think he could uh, not, I mean, obviously he's not going to take Garoppolo's spot or anything like that, but, you know, I think he could come in and, and steady the ship for them for a couple weeks. Okay. So, uh, yeah, talking about stuff that's coming back in the next couple of weeks. This this is my this is my favorite topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, the Big Ten coming back this week. Well, I'm sorry, not coming back this week, but the Big Ten is coming back, and they announced it uh, end of last week. Um, I I love um, 
that they're doing that. Um, shortly after the Big Ten announced, the Pac-12 also announced that uh, they would be playing a seven-game conference schedule that starts in uh, November. Um, the Pac-12 to me is a coward conference. Uh, oh man, shots! Hey, the range man. is hot. <laughs> hey man, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm just saying. The range is hot. I'm just saying because the uh, you know everything that everyone was hearing is that the big or it was that the Pac-12 wouldn't be the first conference to come back or or wouldn't be the first conference to stop playing in the first place and wasn't going to be the first conference to come back and you know that's where I give the Big Ten credit you know they listened to I think uh, a bunch of different factors obviously played into it you know one they were able to get you know the COVID testing that they felt was was you know, up to the standard that they wanted it to be at, um, you know, for the players to ensure their safety, coaches to ensure their safety, um, which I think played, a, you know, a huge factor because that's, you know, that kind of came out right around the time that the Big Ten was saying like, hey, we're seriously considering coming back. Um, and then they also saw, you know, other the other conferences that, uh, that have been, you know, playing, I would say college football to this point so far, fairly successful. There have been some good games. Um, not the most competitive first couple weeks, but, you know, fun moments, um, which at the end of the day, that's what college football is about. And then most importantly, I just love it for the players. You know, I want to be able to see, and this might just me being selfish, I'm, I want to go out and see, you know, Justin Fields playing on a Saturday night. I want to see Ohio State, Michigan. I want to see, you know, Wisconsin offensive linemen moving moving guys five yards from the line of scrimmage. You know, I want to I watch all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I give the Big Ten credit. And Pac-12, you're still cowards. <laughs> well, yeah, they're not. So the Pac-12 is not the only one, right? So I, I you know some media reports is that uh, the Mountain West Conference is also trying to do a comeback, and the MAC, uh, who was really holding out about having talks to return football, uh, they are going to actually have a meeting this week and try to get football back. Um, it, it's it's a lot of money to do the daily testings like the Big Ten is doing, but I'll tell you what, uh, these schools have the money to dish yeah. out. Um, 100%. It, it, these kids are going to be in a bubble. Uh, and from what, like you said, you know, the, the first few weeks, you've seen a lot of college teams uh, really, you know, th- these young men are, are kind of stepping up to the game and, and, and embracing the fact that, hey, if you don't take care of yourself, uh, if you're not responsible, hey, you're going to hurt not only yourself, but your whole team. Yep. You know, yep. so stay in, go to class, stay with your team. Don't do anything too crazy. I know they're in college, but, you know, if you want to play football, you don't want to jeopardize your future, the future of your teammates. Uh, just, you know, be you know responsible. And, and so far, for the most part, it's been pretty good. Have we had some postponements and cancellations? Yes. As a Florida Atlantic alumni, I'm still waiting for us to play our first game. Uh, we had our second <laughs> game canceled this week, you know. Um, but, you know, in the, the cool thing about the Big Ten is also, is like, they're putting uh, the schedule together right on time where they're going to, you know, we're going to have football, un- up like college football, up until, like, up. mid-December. Yeah. And then they're going to be in contention to play in for the national you know, championship playoffs. So, I am yeah. super excited about that because, you know what? As a selfish individual myself, I do want to <laughs> see these guys play. Big yeah. Ten is some, you know, tough, smash-mouth football for the most part. Granted, I do think Ohio State is going to take this conference. No no problems. But, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I'm glad that Big Ten is back. Yeah, and, I mean, you look at, you know, you were talking about the money, the money situation. Um you know, I mean, you look at Ohio State and Michigan, and between those two and Nebraska, I mean, those three schools alone could probably fund enough for the entire country to get tested, you know, every single day. But uh, just because of how much money they, they all bring in every single year because they have, you know, historic programs. Um, but, yeah, it's just I think it's a situation that they watch how the other conferences did it. They asked for help. You know, they got the help that they needed, and this could end up turning into, you know, a win-win situation for the conference. You, you know the you know the players um, have been begging to come back ever since they, you know, 
made the ruling that there wasn't going to be a season. So I don't think this is a situation where, you know, people are forcing guys to play. You know, people all the time talk about, you know, oh, what about the players? You know, what do the players think? This and that. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it it's football and they're football players. So they're going to want to do, you know, what they what they came there to do. You know, if you're a football player, you you play football. You know what I mean? So. Hey, Chad, man. They're up, they're student athletes. Don't forget that this is about going to school. Are you trying to get us like, come on, man? Hey, gotta I go know to school. You gotta go to I, school. I know. <laughs> I know. Justin Fields is definitely focused on getting that degree. I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure every day he wakes up, it's just like, how can I get that degree? No, no disrespect to Justin Fields. I think he's a great player and probably a great person. But yeah, I mean, let's let's be real. Let's be real. So, uh, besides, I mean, I'm pretty sure that you know the Michigan Ohio State is a game that you want to see. You see yeah. any sleepers? Are you, are you excited about any teams that can kind of maybe sneak in there and challenge? You know, Ohio State, in my opinion, who's a, the front runner? You know, I'll be honest. I haven't really done enough of a deep dive on the Big Ten yet. But but one thing, one you know, sneaky situation that did come out that I was actually kind of sad to hear about was uh, Dylan McCaffrey, who was a quarterback for Michigan, um, actually claimed or stated that he was going to be transferring away from the program. Um, I believe he said he was going to Stanford. Look, right? I don't think he's good, man. See, I was honest with you. I was actually about to say the exact opposite. I love, I loved what he brought to them last year in spurts. Um, you know, real athletic, dual threat, dynamic type quarterback. Um, not the most accurate passer by any means, but a guy who can, who I feel like just had like the toughness and, you know, could, could get the job done for them more so than I thought Shea Patterson could. Cause I never really was a fan of his at any point of his old Miss or Michigan career. Yeah. You know, I, I'll be honest, man. I, I think it's kind of. It's kind of like the LSU story for Michigan. Uh, you, when was the last yep. time they actually had a really good quarterback? I, I got to yeah. go back to Chad Henney, I, I I would say. Look, hey, you, hey. You, you bring in all... <laughs> Just because Denard Robinson was a runner doesn't mean he wasn't a great quarterback, okay? Put some uh, quick story about Denard, Denard Robinson. Uh, he beat my high school football team 77-3. Uh, to uh, He's a Deerfield <laughs> High uh, alum. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I went to Nova High, uh, National Baseball Powerhouse. But let me shout out. go back to this. Shout out. There you go. Uh, go Titans. <laughs> but um, that that's my thing with, with Michigan every year, right? Like Every year, I, I like underdogs. And every year, they go into the Ohio, to the Ohio State game as underdogs. And yep. I think the quarterback play is one of the things that holds Michigan back so much. And, and for Harbaugh to, to brag about how much he does to recruit players and bring them in, he hasn't been able to develop a quarterback. Now, we kind of saw that with LSU, and we talked about this for over years, right? Like, hey, when is LSU exactly. finally going to get a quarterback? And, hey, yep. that first year that Joe Burrow started, I wasn't sold on him. But maybe Michigan gets that guy at some point. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's just, it's just too hard to predict right now. Uh, Without, you know, really seeing... I, I know the, they said uh, the Big Ten's not even going to come back for games until, what, uh, November? October 24th. October 24th, yeah, yeah. So, the sec- so yeah, last weekend... Or the second to last weekend of October, um, they're going to be coming back right in time for Halloween. Um, hopefully, we're getting some tricks from them, or some treats, and not, not too many tricks. We're getting tricks. I'm letting you know right now, Okay. <laughs> We're getting tricks from the We're Big Ten. We're getting tricks from the Big Ten because Michigan, Minnesota, they're going to be playing week one at Minnesota. I'm taking mm. Minnesota right wow. now, September you're 25th. Call, you're calling your shot a month in advance. Yes, I am. They have a legitimate uh, quarterback at Minnesota who will most likely get drafted. I don't know his name. I forgot his name. And they also have a legitimate wide receiver. I'm not sure if he's going to. Rashad Bateman, I was gonna say he's opted. Yep. He's already opted out. But yeah, like you said, but guys he does are opting in. Yep, guys are opting true. in. Um, Rondé Moore has opted back in for Purdue as well. Um, Rondell. 
Rondell. Rondell. Oh, yeah. You know I'm not good with first names, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all good. But, you know, and so I'm going to call it right now. Minnesota beats Michigan week one. It's kind of derailed their season. Uh, wow. But I, I want to talk more about this, you know, as, as the season gets closer. But because I'm super yeah. excited. And we got some actual some really good matchups this week to talk about, too. Yeah. Like you said, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we are going to be breaking down some college matchups, some NFL matchups, getting you guys ready for this weekend, getting you guys excited, and getting the blood flowing. So we'll talk to you guys when we get back. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Lazy Boys QB podcast. And we're going to talk about some great college football games that are coming up this weekend. Um, You know, the Big Ten hasn't restarted yet, but we're getting SEC football this weekend. First week of SEC participation. And, you know, there is a ranked matchup already, you know, 12 o'clock on ESPN, number 22 against uh, number eight, Auburn. Um, But one of the big games here is going to be, you know, the rivalry, Mississippi State at number (laughs) six, LSU. Um, LSU Tigers are favored by 16 and a half points. But this is a completely different team from last year. Um, and then for Mississippi State, uh, you know, you got Mike Leach, you know, the offense, you know, spread offense guru and quarterback uh, KJ Costello. Chad, what, what's going on? What do you think about this game? I know you're a huge LSU fan. Yeah, I'll be honest, man. Even as an LSU fan, I'm looking at that 16 and a half, and, that, and that's a huge number to me. You know, for our first game of the season, as you said, it's a rivalry game. Both teams are going to be coming out, playing hard. Miles Brennan, uh, junior, redshirt junior quarterback for LSU, came in with a lot of hype many, many moons ago. Um, you know, hasn't really gotten a, a bunch of game time yet. Um, but, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen him, you know, practices and, you know, just short clips. Looks like he's ready to... Uh, become some type of starter for us now obviously it'd be unrealistic to expect him to play to the level that Joe Burrow played at last year um, and then also LSU lost a lot of guys on both sides of the ball uh, not to just not not even just to the draft but also um, Jamar Chase who was their you know all-american Bolitnikoff winning wide receiver uh, you know has decided that you know he's going to sit out this season um I'm not sure if his decision, how much up in the air. I know we talked about, you know, guys like Rondell Moore who were kind of, you know, bowing out and then coming back. I don't think that's Jamar Chase is going to be in that situation, um, which puts a lot of puts a lot of pressure on the LSU running game, which I am excited about. You know, I think they've got a three headed monster this year with uh, Chris Curry, who played, you know, a little bit last year uh, behind Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, John Emery Jr. and then Tyron Davis Price. Between those three guys, I think if LSU is able to control the line of scrimmage and not not get back to the same style that they were before, where it was smash mouth power football, because I think they're going to be running it a lot, but just out of more of the spread, you know, a little bit more creativity in the running game. Um, I think that that'll be a good that'll be good for them to you know control the ball, control the line of scrimmage. Keep that high-powered Mike Leach offense off the field, um, and you know have have fatigue set in for that Mississippi State defense. You know keep up a lot of plays, uh, even though um, Joe Brady, who was our you know offensive assistant last year, even though he left after one year to go be with Carolina, um, you know I think a lot of the principles from last season are still going to be the same with that offense. Yeah, you also have a star in Singletary. Um... Yep. And I, I, I mean, this is just rumors, right? I watch too much ESPN, I guess. Uh, I heard that he's <laughs> might take some some snaps at wide receiver. Have you heard anything about that? You know, I'll be honest. I love Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, I think he's probably the best cornerback in college football, hands down, regardless of you know class. But I, I don't really see him. You know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we need to use him on offense. You know, to be an effective team this year. I think we got, you know, I mean, we, we still have, you know, Terrace Marshall is going to be our number one receiver. He had a big year last year, and he's looking to build off of that this year. And then, you know, we have some other guys with limited experience, albeit, but, you know, guys who are four or five-star recruits 
who are coming in looking to play in this spread offense. You know, another guy who I'm super excited to see is Eric Gilbert, um, 6'5", 250-pound freshman tight end from, from Marietta, Georgia. He was the, I believe, national player of the year um, in high school football, and he was the first tight end to ever receive that award. Um, and, you know, I think looking at him, I saw what Thaddeus Moss could do last year um, as a wide receiver out of that tight end position. And, you know, I think the sky's the limit for Eric Gilbert. So I, I don't think I think LSU will be fine when it comes to pass catchers. All right, everybody. So this game will be at 3.30 Eastern time on CBS, on the CBS game of the week. Chad, 16.5 points. Does LSU cover? No, I'm saying no. I think this is probably going to be about a 10-point game. Uh, Mississippi State, like, you know, like we kind of talked about, they have the ability to score points. And, you know, when you can score points, then that's always going to keep you in the game, especially early in the season. Roger that. All right, so next thing we want to talk about, it's the West Virginia at number 15, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is favored by seven points. Uh, you know that I'm lately I've been kind of having a, a personal vendetta against yeah. the Big 12. Yes, you uh, have. <laughs> speak on it. Speak on it. Yeah. Oh, look, man, that first week in the Big 12, and I don't want to go too far into the rabbit hole again, right? It's been really, really bad. Um, no, Kansas State losing to Arkansas State. Um, Iowa State losing to Louisiana Lafayette. Both of those games were at home. Both of those games had fans in there in the stadium. Um, and also last week, Oklahoma State played Tulsa. And, man, what a close game. Um, yeah, it, it was. was. Yeah, and, and you know because of what's going, what happened in the Big Twelve the first week they came back to the play. I watched that game from start to finish. It was also super cool because they actually had it in four K. Um, mm. But uh, <laughs> no, their starting quarterback did go down for Oklahoma State. But man, Chuba Hubbard didn't do much. Uh, Twenty-seven carries, ninety-three yards. Oklahoma State had to battle to the end. West Virginia. Yeah, they uh, they played Eastern Kentucky University uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, and they, and they beat the crap out of them. Um, Oklahoma <laughs> State is favored by seven, but guess what? Take me o uh, West Virginia straight up over Oklahoma State on the road. Straight up, so not even. So you're saying not only are they covering, but they're also winning it outright. Yes, they are. Wow. Uh, I'll tell you what. I think, you know, like you said, Chuba Hubbard definitely was bottled up. Average, you know, three point three point three yards a carry. Uh, in week one, a guy to look out for, another guy to look out for, for Oklahoma State, um, you know, wide receiver Tylen Wallace. To me, probably uh, with Jamar Chase bowing out, probably or out of the season, I would say Wallace, probably one of the top, you know, one of the one of, if not the most explosive receiver in the country, um, coming back off a torn ACL that he suffered towards the end of or towards the middle part of last season. So happy to see him back. He had four catches for 94 yards in their opener. Um, and he's just a super explosive guy who, if West Virginia is going to be pulling the upset that you're talking about, you know, that's a guy who who they're going to have to uh, definitely keep in check. Right. And, you know, he had some nice catches in that Tulsa game. It's all about who's going to be there to be throwing, you know, throwing him the ball. Um, exactly. So we'll, we'll see, man. Uh, who do you got on that game? Uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to go with the, you know me, man. I'm a sucker for star power. I'm going to go with the stars. I'm going to take Oklahoma State, actually. Uh, does West Virginia, you know, cover the seven points? Um, You know what? I, no, I think Oklahoma State uh, is is a legitimate team, and I think they're going to come out and make a big statement um, against a Big 12 opponent. So okay. I'm taking, so I'm saying Oklahoma State more than seven. Yep, and the last game we want to talk about uh, the just the big the, one, <laughs> just for the sake of talking about it. Look, I'm a big Florida State fan. Uh, they're going to go down to Miami to uh, on Saturday night. That's going to be the 7:30 Eastern uh, time game on ABC. Uh, Florida State, Miami, Derek King. The Canes are favored by 11, and but I'm not really going to talk about much about this game. I'm so disappointed in the in the Seminoles. Uh, they lose at home to Georgia Tech. That was embarrassing. Yeah. Who got yeah. trounced by UCF the following week? Justin Blackman is not the answer. 
Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, the Canes are going to win, and they're going to win big. Don't be surprised if this this turns out to be a three or four touchdown difference. Really, you're that you have that much or that little confidence in Florida State to even to even show up at all for a uh, you know show up at all for a rivalry game. Yes, I am done with this Florida State. Team. <laughs> yeah, I mean Miami showed you know Derek King, uh, quarterback that they haven't really had in their program, right? A guy with you know superb dual threat ability. Uh, I know in the opening week against uh, UAB. Uh, Thank you. UAB, he showed his ability, you know, with the legs. Um, You know, he had extended his streak of consecutive games with at least one rushing and one passing touchdown. I think that uh, ended up coming up to 15 games because it was snapped last week against Louisville. Um, But, I mean, still, De'Eric King was in complete control of that game. Miami, I felt like, could score any time they wanted. Um, You know, Cameron Harris, uh, running back for them, has been explosive this year. Um, and then I think I love their guys, you know, some of their pass catchers. I love Mike Harley, um, explosive slot guy, can really make people miss in the open field. And then I love uh, Brevin Jordan, the tight end, yes. um, who who has potential to, you know, really be one of those next game-changing type of tight ends at the next level. I think his athleticism, his hands, um, I, I think he's probably one of the best tight ends in the entire country, if not the best. So what is your prediction for the game? Man, uh, it's 11. 11 is the uh, Miami, Miami's favorite by 11 right now. Yes, and they're playing at home. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and take Miami. I'm going to take the Canes. There you go. There you go. Shout out to my dad, who's a huge Miami fan. So hopefully he'll be happy this weekend. Shout out to Mr. Larson. Um <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, man. Look, uh, one thing that people forget about De'Ara King was a, a, a top 15 Heisman finalist when he was at Houston. He's an explosive sure. playmaker. And yep. that game against Louisville, I, I never felt that Louisville had a chance to win that game. Every Completely time they agree. you know came close, like Miami just, you know, on the next possession, we just take it away from them. So, and Florida State is just, they're just not executing. I understand Mike Norvell's a new coach. Uh, he will not be coaching from the sidelines because he has tested positive for COVID. Um, mm. And I think this is all a mixture for, for just a disaster for Florida State. Um, you know, maybe Dion, you know, coaching at Jackson State, uh, maybe he'll come back to Florida State in the <laughs> near future. I will say uh, that, you know, this is looking ahead, looking way ahead, but if Miami, you know, takes care of business the way that they're supposed to against Florida State, that does set up an interesting matchup between Miami and Clemson uh, on October the 10th. So that, that'll be one to look out for a little bit down the road. Yeah, pretty much booked that game in my books. As long as, my, you know, I, I really like Manny Diaz as a coach. Yep. Uh, the, Miami has the talent. Manny Diaz has been there in, in the program for, for a few years now, even before he was a head coach. Um, yeah, man, let's see. And I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the, uh, the ACC championship game right there. Yep, definitely. Uh, all right, so you know we we talked about these college games. You know there are a lot of college games this weekend, but we just wanted to focus on those because those are good talking points. Uh, but again, uh, if you guys want to know about other college teams, want to know our takes, you no, know, let us know and we'll definitely get to it. All right, we're gonna jump to the NFL now. We got a, some awesome games, even though it's week three in the NFL. And yeah, we do. I want to start talking about. You know, the first game that we, you know, we want to talk about is the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders. 2-0 and know. who beat the I know. New Orleans Saints at the 1-1 New England Patriots. Chad, what's going on? Man, I, t- I tell you what, man. Honestly, uh, I- John Gruden has, uh, you know, when-, when he first came back into the NFL, what- what's this? This is his third year back, yes. right? Or Yeah. Um, when he first came back, you know, people were saying, oh, he's been out of the game for too long. You know, the game has passed him by, all this other stuff. Is Derek Carr even a quarterback you can win with? Blah, 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 blah. And in the beginning, it was difficult for him. Like, I don't think he really had the roster that he wanted, the type of roster, you know, for the type of football that he wanted to play. Um, and now, you know, he's kind of retooled that him along with Mike Mayock, the GM. Um, shout out to him. Uh, they have, you know, retooled this roster in a real way. You know, now you've got 
Josh Jacobs, who I think is one of the best up-and-coming backs in the league. Um, you know, definitely a guy who I think is going to be with them and play a huge piece for them here for the next couple years. Um, you know, they drafted Henry Ruggs, a first-round receiver this year. Uh, has only made only made four catches in the first two games, but, you know, had a 45-yard catch in week one. Um, so, you know, he's flashed the explosiveness that, you know, made him become a, a, a top half of the first round uh, pick this year. And then, man, the guy who clearly no one in the NFL, I guess, can cover uh, is Darren Waller, man, the tight end for the, the Las Vegas Raiders. 18 catches over the first two games. He worked the Saints on Monday night, like, in a way that I haven't seen many tight ends work a defense. You know, hey, people always to Mike Gusecki over there. <laughs> yeah, respect to Mike Gusecki and his 15-yard touchdown catch on Thursday. That was a uh, but he catch. Sorry, go <laughs> ahead, man. He still has a little ways to go though to get on uh, Darren Waller's level, who in that game had 12 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Um, and mind you, this is going against, and this is him going against, and this is him going against Mike Jenkins, or I'm sorry. Malcolm Jenkins, who is arguably, um, you know, one of the guys who you would want to cover him the most, right? So to, to, for him to be able to still, you know, get his catches and make his plays, um, I think that shows great growth from both Derek Carr and shows that Darren Waller is, you know, one of the best and most complete tight ends in the whole league. Yeah, look, I'm not going to say that the, the open, uh, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders had a, a good game against uh, the Saints on Monday night. One of the things that I really liked about them is just the amount of time that they held onto the ball. Um, you know, with their running game and the short passes to, you know, to Waller, he was unstoppable of that game. Uh, to me, Derek Carr is still a liability in that offense because there are some open throws to Henry Ruggs, but he has to see it and pull that trigger. Um, yep. But I will say this about New Orleans. It, it looks like a different team. Uh, when they execute on offense, it's not as crisp um, as we had seen it in previous years. Drew Brees, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, there, there's one drive that's, that's really good, but then there are other drives that are not in sync. And I, I get that Michael Thomas was not playing, but Drew Brees was a great quarterback before Michael Thomas got to New Orleans. And 100%. I, I think the old age is creeping in. It's messing with the arm strength. It, he's unable to put the, the those throws in those tight windows. So, it, to me, the Raiders were really good and they won that game. Like I'm not taking anything away from them, but there's a little bit of a, a New Orleans regression in my opinion. Um, yeah, this is gonna be a, a great game for the Raiders going to New England on the road after a tough win. Uh, Look, man, I really like the Patriots. I really like what Cam Newton is doing um, with Bill Belichick. Uh, dude, I've watched both games, right, from start yeah. to finish for the New England Patriots. Yep. You can you can say, well, but they lost. Yeah, they lost at Seattle. They were at the one-yard line. It was a great defensive play to bust it, but that game could have easily been won by the New England Patriots. Um, they also had to play... To me, the current MVP in the league with Russell Wilson at eight, you no know, throwing for eighty-two, uh, he's completing eighty-two percent of, of his passes, which is ridiculous. Uh, as much as I like the Raiders, I, I think they're doing they're building something there um, with Chucky. I mean, three years out of ten, right? So they still got some time in that contract. <laughs> yeah, they do. I, I like the Patriots going to this game. I, I'm still taking Bill Belichick. Yeah, man, it surprises me how high you are on New England this year. To me, I feel like. I mean, I feel like for the most part, Miami was with them for a good portion of that game in week one. Um, and then obviously, you know, week two, Seattle, as you said, they ran into, you know, the guy who's probably playing the best football of anybody that right now uh, and Russell Wilson, hustle and bustle. But uh, yeah, man, I'm looking at this line, New England favored by five and a half. I I'll be honest, man. I think I'm going to go ahead and take Oakland. I don't know if I'm feeling or I'm sorry, Las Vegas. I'm taking Ooh. Las Vegas. Ooh. I don't I don't. I don't know if they're going to be able to win outright, but I definitely think that they'll cover the five and a half. And I probably expect that actually to get down to to maybe a, even five or maybe even four and a half by kickoff because I, I really do believe in this Vegas team. Over under 75 rushing yard for Brendan Jacobs. 
well, Brandon, I don't think is going to be getting any. Uh, Josh. Sorry, sorry. My bad, man. <laughs> you, hey, this whole first names thing. Josh Jacobs over under. I just had to give you shit, man. I'm just playing. Um, yeah, you know what's... Uh, I'll go... I'll go over 75 to, or 75 rushing. I think that Vegas is going to have to control, like how they did against New Orleans, they're going to have to control the clock, um, you know, 35 to 40 minutes of, uh, of possession, I think is going to be, you know, the bread and butter for them this whole season. Not necessarily, they have a much improved defense for sure, uh, but still, you know, not one that you want out there, you know, playing defense for 30 plus minutes a game. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take Vegas, and I'm going to take Josh Jacobs over 75 yards. Mr. Carr, throw the ball deep. Rugs will catch yes. it. All right, yes, moving on to the next game that we want to talk about. I really don't want to spend too much time in this game. I just feel like it's interesting because of some of the dynamics. It's the yeah. uh, 0-2 Bengals at the 0-2 Eagles. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is the real deal. Um, yes. He played really well in, in that Thursday night game against Cleveland. Um, and the Eagles, along with along with ahead. also playing also playing well in Week One too, giving his sure. team a chance to to at least go into overtime uh, in that Week One game against the LA Chargers. Complete control during that uh, two minute drive. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And now you're going to play. A, you can go to Philadelphia. I know it's an away game, but a team, man, that's on the decline. I yeah, really are. think that if the Eagles don't make it to the playoffs this season, which I don't think they will, Doug Peterson is out. And I'm just saying, I am taking the Bengals to win this game outright. Burn, Philly, burn. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it, I, I will make one. I'm not really a guy to make guarantees or proclamations or anything like that. One thing that I can promise you, and I – don't know, you know, what the schedule is looking like ahead, you know, past this week for Philly. But I can promise you, if Philly gets or if Philly loses this game at home to to the Cincinnati Bengals against a rookie quarterback and Joe Burrow, uh, I don't think Doug Peterson is going to have to be worrying about game planning for Week Four. Woo! Because wow, that's, that's a hot take, man. Woo! You you know how those Philly fans get. Well, not that they're going to be there, but you know, people are going to be calling in Philly Talk Radio. Yep. You know, you know how the organization, ever since they've gotten to that Super Bowl and won that Super Bowl, which hey, I give them full credit for. No one, I didn't think they had a chance in hell that year, and they ended up proving me, you, and probably everybody else wrong. Um, but just ever since then, like you said, it's just been a steady decline, decline, decline for them uh, until this point where they're zero and two. Basically, with their season on the line, because if you go to 0-3, I mean, even in the shitty NFC East, I don't even think you can crawl out of an 0-3 hole, you know, to make the playoffs in that division. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll tell you this. The Philadelphia Eagles tend to be a second-half-of-the-year kind of team. I've picked, uh, you know, I put money down on the Eagles, you know, now making the playoffs, like, halfway through the season after, like, a 3-5 and start, and they somehow, you know, miraculously get in, mainly because your Cowboys can't take care of things. Um, hey, easy now. <laughs> easy, but, easy now, boss. You know, it, this game to me is pivotal for the Eagles' season. Um, it, and if they don't pull it out, man, it, it's looking really bad. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said. Uh, moving on to the next game, we have the zero and two Texans. Who? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think we. I don't think I gave a formal pick, but I am going to. You know what? I'm going to be bold like you. I'm going to say Bengals outright over like Philadelphia. It. Like it. It's like going for. It's like going down. You know, fourth and four at your own forty yard line, and you just go for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, next, we've got the zero and two Texans who are going to be traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the two and zero Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh favored by four over Houston. Uh, what are you seeing so far from Pittsburgh, real quick? That you know has made them effective this year. Man, that this that this defense is just suffocating, right? Um, yeah. Of course, I, I I really watch like the you know start to finish their Monday night game. Um, that defense is just it's really good. That pass rush is really good. Um, you know, you got Hayward, you got Wad, you got Devin Bush in the in the linebackers. Like that's just a, a solid. It's the same old Steelers. 
solid defense, uh, solid football team. Uh, I did not watch them uh, well too much against the, the Broncos, even though the, the Broncos kind of gave them some headaches. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna pick them to win this game. I, I think they're gonna cover. Uh, I think the Texans are a lot worse than most people give them credit for. And to be honest, as a Dolphins fan, I want the Texans to lose because the Dolphins on their first round pick next year. Yeah, you know, Houston, I'm not really sure. You know, I don't know. I, th- I think maybe the organization is putting a little bit too much pressure on Deshaun Watson, you know, as far as the supporting cast that he has, um, you know, trading away Hopkins, uh, which I'll be honest, I'm still a fan of that move. I'm, I'll be a fan of it. You know, I, I don't care if Hopkins has 300 catches this year for 5,000 yards. I just, to me, you weren't going to be able to afford to pay both. Um but, you know, at the same time, Houston is, is definitely, you know, taking their lumps from that one, from that decision. Um, and, but you know what, man? Damn, I just, Deshaun Watson's a baller to me. This is the first one. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the Texans, actually. Ooh, I like that, like that. Texan, right. Texans to win outright. Deshaun Watson just too mentally tough. Yeah, I think that Steelers defense is going to crush him. But moving on to the next <laughs> game, one and one Cowboys, a team that's dear to your heart. At yes, they the are. Two and zero Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks are favored by five. I'm not even going to talk about it because I already talked about this guy throughout the podcast. Russell Wilson <laughs> is going to have no problems taking care of this Cowboys team. Yeah, I mean he's been in my nightmares for about the past three or four nights for sure. Uh, I'm probably going to be having cold sweats on Saturday night when I go to sleep. Um, but, you know, he, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, I mean, I think he's a matchup nightmare for anybody he, you know, any corners he's going against, you know, including Trayvon Diggs, who I guess is Dallas's number one right now, um, you know, our second round draft pick out of Alabama. Uh, you know, I think Dallas would definitely be able to score points which I don't think is going to be a problem for them at any point this year. Uh, getting stops, on the other hand, will be a huge problem. Um, I look for Chris Carson actually to have a big game as well, uh, along with Russell Wilson. And, uh, yeah, I- I'm going to take Seattle with this one. I'd say they even more than five. I could easily see this game going up to – or not going up to, but I could easily see this game getting, you know, into Seattle by double digits. Okay. All right, next game that we want to talk about is the 2-0 Packers at the 1-1 Saints. It's going to be a Sunday night game. I personally think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is in a vendetta. Uh, I think he really wants to prove to the Packers, you know, leadership that they were wrong in taking Jordan Love instead of a wide receiver. Uh, This dude has just been in a tear. Granted, he's played the Vikings and the Lions, but I really think he's going to come in here on prime time. Um, And like I said, I think he's, you know, New Orleans is favored by three in this game. I'm taking the Packers outright, uh, and it's not the, the the Saints defense. I just feel like that offense, like I've spoken before, for the Saints, it's just not in sync. Michael Thomas, I think, is scheduled to return this game, so maybe yes. that can play a difference. Look, Alvin Kamara is killing it, so that could be you know a, an X factor, a guy that can keep the ball away from the the hands of you know, Aaron Rodgers. But man, um, Devonta Adams and. and and Chris was it Lazard who's emerging as a, a legitimate number two guy, which yeah, in the Packers' is. offense is like a number one guy. And of mm. course, uh, Aaron Jones is just killing it. And yes, let's not is. talk about their you know, the Packers' defense is also really, really good. Kenny Clark, uh, you got you no know, Preston Smith, uh, and Zadarius Smith. Both of them. There's two. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just – I was adding to the list. My bad. Oh, my bad. No, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> it, it, this is a really good team who's on a really big tear. And with all these injuries around the NFL, maybe maybe they're the favorites. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, I would say out of all the teams in the NFC, I say them and Seattle are pretty much playing the best right now. Um, I don't see that slowing down for the Packers anytime soon. I'm right there with you. I'm – New Orleans is favored by three at home. I'm I'm taking the Packers, though. I say the Packers go ahead and just win this one outright. All right. Um, and the last game, uh, it's a big Monday night game. This game has been advertised since the schedules came out. 
The this two is the and main, oh. and this is the main course right here. Um, We've been so, going through the a, appetizers. And it's it's a good one, man. It's two and <laughs> oh Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs at the two and oh Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore is favored by three and a half points. I am taking Baltimore. Mm. Talk to me. Tell me why. What what are you seeing from them this year that is that is making you, you know, believe in them? I mean, obviously it's easy to believe in them, but what what makes you so confident against Kansas City? Man, look, Lamar Jackson is a legitimate football player. He's a legitimate quarterback in this league. Uh, he he's not, you know, the the pastor that uh, you know Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is, but he does so much with his legs. And the defense has never, you know, they always have to be prepared to 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 defend both the run and the pass. Uh, they got some big mama jamas in the offensive line uh, between Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. That's a solid. And Gus Edwards is getting carries, uh, yeah. and that defense is still playing at, at a really high level. We saw how they suffocated Baker Mayfield in Week One. Uh, I I focus on the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Chargers games, but I kept an eye on that te- uh, Baltimore Texans game. Look, it never felt like the Texans could even like compete with the Baltimore Ravens on the field. And you know it's it's an away game for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Monday night, all eyes on them. Uh, I do feel like the three and a half is a little bit too much. I think it's going to be three points. I think the, the Ravens win by a field goal. But man, you know, I, I that's I just feel like the Ravens got it. I think this year, to me, they're my my AFC, you know, Super Bowl favorites. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's not much to really disagree with about what you said. I love that you talked about the improvement in Lamar, you know, as a passer. You know, no, he's not on that Russell Wilson, you know, that Patrick Mahomes level. But you can see, even just through two games this year, he's taken a, a, a leap forward from his, you know, each year he's improved on his passing every single year. Um, you know, this year, I think in that in that week one against Cleveland, um, he was just carving their defense up like a Thanksgiving turkey, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and you know, that might not necessarily be the toughest task to do in the NFL, but at the same time, when he was doing it with the efficiency that he was, um, and that offense, like you said, JK Dobbins, just another guy to add to that ball carrying, uh, rotation. Um, another guy you have to worry about, but man, he's not the only good rookie running back in this class and, and Kansas city, or even in this game, cause Kansas city's got one with my boy Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Um, and I think he's going to have a big game. I think that he is going to, you know, he's he's not, not set the tone, but he's going to be the fulcrum of the offense for them uh, in a big way. And I think Kansas City actually wins this one outright. Goes across country and wins this one outright against Baltimore. All right. Well, so, you know, we definitely disagreed on a few of these games. I like it. That's why I can't <laughs> wait to talk to you again. Um, next week so we can go over the you know these scores and you know do a review of the nfl uh chad you know we're running out of time here man what, you got anything else for the crew for the crowds for all our fans <laughs> nah just uh you know looking forward to a very exciting weekend of football um with that being said guys um you know we're going to be trying to do this podcast bring it to you at least twice a week um and uh, we hope you guys enjoy and, uh, you know, continue to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Take it easy, everyone. Have a good weekend. Yep.